On this month's episode of the Sound Rider Show, we're talking Moto Heroics in the Oregon Forest Fires. Tom just completed the Sound Rider Cascade Super 8 Tour and had some hot tips for riding the Washington Cascades. And guys can dream, can't they? We're going to dive into some dream test rides of 2021 models. All that and so much more on this month's episode of the Sound Rider Show. Support for the Sound Rider Show is provided in part by... Seattle Cycle Center. As more and more shops discontinue sales of apparel and aftermarket gear, Seattle Cycle Center continues to provide a wide selection of everything you need for your next ride. Family-owned and operated for more than 30 years, Seattle Cycle Center is your destination for helmets, jackets, pants, boots, gloves, rain gear, and much more. Visit their store on Aurora Avenue soon. This is Scott McMillan from Adventure Motorsports in Monroe. Welcome to the Sound Rider Show. And now live from the Crow's Nest Studio in beautiful downtown Broadview, Washington, join us for the latest episode of the Sound Rider Show, a candid hour featuring the people, places, and things that make up the fabric of one of the top motorcycle riding destinations in the world. And now here are your hosts, Tom Marin, Derek Roberts, and whoever else happens to drop by today. Motorcycle riders from across the Pacific Northwest and around the world, this is the Sound Rider Show. The show where, in honor of the fall season, we say you'd have to be out of your gourd not to stick around for the motorcycle bounty ahead. Joining me, as always, the pumpkin eater himself, publisher and founder of Sound Rider, Mr. Tom Marin, and howling at both the audience and the harvest moon. I am, of course, self appointed editor at large and werewolf of the dr mr derek roberts tom speaking of full moons and strange circumstances let's get into the october show what do you say there it is (laughs) howling at the moon (laughs) all right so uh let's um Let's let's recap a little bit here. Well, where do you want to start? We've got uh, a couple of things for the opening segment. Should we touch on some of the strange uh, circumstances nature-wise, i.e. forest fires, or do you want to get into that later in the show? That'll be later in the show. Let's uh... Okay, well, if, if that's the case, let's, uh, let's jump into some hot motorcycle talk. Specifically, you know, you and I were kind of chatting back and forth about some of the new 2021 models and maybe some things that we were going to try to take a test ride with in the next couple of months here as we kind of stroll into the, you know, quote-unquote off-season. Yeah, so as we've been preparing, uh, you and I have each created a list of three bikes that we would like to have over the next 12 months, sort of like if we could demo ride for 12 months a bike. And, uh, and we, we put in three categories, road burner, Dual Sport ADV, and Around Town. And I like that. I did, you know, I was kind of scratching my head, though. How does one define a road burner? Because I was thinking touring at first, and then I was like, well, maybe he means just speed in general, and he's looking for a sport bike. But what do you, what do you kind of mean by the term road burner? Well, that's what I like about the word road burner is it's sort of <laughs> like, um, it's sort of like it doesn't have to be any particular category of bike however my idea of a road burner is a bike you would be happy sitting on for 500 miles a day 
Okay. Well, then I think we are on the same page here. So I, I'm glad to hear that, certainly, because that's what I was thinking. What would I want to strap some luggage on and maybe, you know, ride to Yellowstone or something like that in July, right? Yeah, exactly. Or in October yeah. and freeze your butt off. That's true, unless you got uh, <laughs> carrying some lithium batteries in that uh, in that storage compartment there, so you can strap on all kinds of heated gear, right? Uh, yeah. Maybe you could put an extra battery on. It I've never hurts to have more, especially when you're doing some cold weather camping. Maybe we'll touch on that too here. But let's uh, let's jump in. Which category do you want to pick first? Well, let's start with the road burner category. What did you pick? All right, so. I'm going to admit here, first of all, for the listening audience, and uh, I'm going to eat just a little bit of crow because a few months ago when uh, Suzuki announced that they were going to come out with a new V-Strom, I kind of brushed it off saying, like, who's asking for a new V-Strom? What do we need it for? But I'm kind of hooked on the 1050 XT. Yeah. They, got this, they got this great yellow and blue kind of retro color scheme. The reviews that are coming in are real solid on it. It's got a 19-inch front wheel, so I can do a little forest service touring. Nice and uh, powered now, I think, up to 101 horsepower, which is plenty for me. You know, I'm not going to be ripping it up uh, a la Africa Twin or something that might be sort of similar here. So I'm going with the V-Strom XT, the uh, yellow and blue. All right. Well, you know, I I guess this is a case of great minds think alike almost. Uh Okay, because <laughs> I, mean, I figured if I just had to hang out on this bike for twelve months, I'd I'd probably enjoy doing a review of it after twelve months. But it's not that one; it's the V-Strom six hundred and fifty XT adventure uh. model, which is kind of a joke that they call it an adventure model because they put cast iron wheels on the on both right. sides. So that would be at some point in that twelve months, that would be the first upgrade, right? Would you go to spoke wheels? No, I would. I would just leave it. I would just. It, it, I would do like you said. Uh, it would be my road burner bike, and if I wanted to go down a fire road every now and then, I'd had no problem doing that. But I'm not going to go beat the heck out of the thing with cast iron wheels out there in the woods somewhere. Well, I got to tell you, my mind is a little blown because we didn't discuss our picks at all. We threw this idea out to each other, and we kind of narrowed in the categories a little bit, but the fact that we both landed on the V-Strom, that's, I guess, hey, Suzuki, if you're listening, how about a little sponsorship money? <laughs> yeah, send that money in, will you? All right. Well, I think those those are terrific picks, though. I mean, look, you can eat up mileage all day long on a V-Strom, and, uh, you know, I was just, as we started the show, going through some of the reviews and stuff and rereading a few of the uh, comments, and uh, a lot of people mentioned, you know, hey, Suzuki... They're kind of, particularly on this motorcycle, a little underrated for how reliable the motor is. So take that for what it's worth. You know, I, I got to hand it to them over the years. They've been doing some really good motor development. They don't typically, they don't do it themselves on these bikes. They're actually done out of a group in China. But uh, but I never hear people complain about their V-Strom motor ever. Yeah, that's right. Is it is it a Chinese group or I was thinking it was a Korean group? Oh, maybe you're right. It might be Korean. Okay. Yep. So, well, I mean, that's neither here nor there, but uh, no. you know, we strive for accuracy accuracy here in the era of quote unquote fake news, right? Particularly when it comes to motorcycles. So, okay. let's. Uh, what do you want to do? You want to jump into dual sport so, next? Yeah. So we're going to go into the woods. We 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 we're going to leave those V Stroms off off at the side of the road or put them in the garage, and we're going to go and do a good woods ride. What are you going to get for a dual sport adventure bike? 
All right, so I'm going to take a hard left turn here, and I don't think that there's any chance that we come uh, simpatico on this selection here. So I'm going to confess to the listeners that recently I have invested in a hitch carrier for my SUV because eating up the super slab to get out to some of these dual sport areas, it was just, it was kind of killing me on the DR350. And I love the DR350, but you can only ride I-5 and I-90 so much before you go, you know what? People are nuts out here. And uh, these knobby tires aren't super comfortable on all this grooved pavement, <laughs> grooved and cracked pavement. So with that in mind, I went ultra light, but I also went electric and I picked the zero FX. All right. Interesting. Yeah. So the zero FX is kind of their stripped down model. And I think if you get the extended tank, which is the 7.2, I think you get about 90 miles mixed use, but I have long held this fantasy of cruising along on some forest service roads or some dirt roads, even maybe a little simple uh, single track (coughs) and just kind of just the whine of the electric engine, the silence, you know, I really feel like that would be a great experience and it's an attractive motorcycle. I like him. I see him down at uh, Northwest motos here in Seattle and I like it. So that's my pick, the Zero FX. Do you think that you'd be setting yourself up to get eaten by a bear if you went out in the woods with one of those? Because the bear would never hear you, and then you would spook it when you were right up next to it. Well, I think you just get one of those uh, bells, right? You just strap that around like uh, – or maybe, how about this? <laughs> Hang one of those little lucky charm bells Yeah. <laughs> well, in bear country, I'll just put uh, baseball cards in my spokes like we did when uh, everybody did when they were kids, right? Because, like, he'll hear you chucking up rocks and breaking branches and stuff, and he'll just think it's like Sasquatch walking through the woods. Well, that may be more terrifying. <laughs> well, okay, I didn't I didn't go go quite as extravagant. All right, let's see what you got. Um I gotta get the Tenere seven hundred. That's the ah, one. yeah. Got yeah. the spoke wheels, I got my options of the lowered version or all the touring gear on it or whatever. So uh I'm gonna go with the Tenere seven hundred. So here's my question for you here. In this hypothetical scenario that we've constructed with these three categories. Do you not feel like maybe you would never take the V-Strom out in favor of the Tenere 700? I feel like, obviously, the Tenere is built to be more off-road oriented, but I feel like it might be pretty competitive um, in a lot of the categories that the 650 would be. That's one of the reasons I went with the 1050. Ah, okay. Well, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it kind of. I think the 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 Tenere seven hundred will serve a good purpose as a road burner as well, as long as you don't put too aggressive tires on it. True. Yes. You know, I had that. aggressive tires on uh, NC seven hundred X, and uh, eh, thing got a little bit squirrely after a while, so I didn't really enjoy that. But I'm back to like seventy thirty tires now. Which makes sense for that bike. But I remember when you were running some knobby tires on there, you were actually surprised at how well the NC700X handled on gravel roads. You even did a little two-up, I think, back in the day, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So so that's a uh, you know another testament there to the, to the NC700X. But, uh, okay, Tenere 700. And um, I knew, you know, of course I considered that. That seems to be the hot motorcycle of the moment, at least for the ADV crowd. So... I think that's a good choice. I like that. 
All right. So now we're going to go get some coffee somewhere around town. I noticed uh, the other day you were outside in front of uh, Northwest Moto during the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride. And there was a big line of people in front of Sub, and there was a line of people up at uh, Backfire Moto. So you want to look cool? You want to you want to have something that's easy to get around town? What are you going with, Derek? So this is the category that I deliberated over for the longest amount of time. I will I will certainly admit that. And my choice is a Janus Halcyon. Do you know what that is? No. So Janus Motorcycles, I just kind of got onto these guys about a year and a half ago or so. They make 250cc, very retro-styled motorcycles in Goshen, Indiana. Huh. And this uh, particular model starts at about seven grand. It takes them about eight weeks to make. It's got a 229cc single-cylinder engine, weighs 263 pounds, and it is super retro but with sort of the modern tech built in but it's got a little bit of the swept back handlebars just a simple engine you know the frame is all exposed and they are uh they're beautiful motorcycles and if i don't need to go over 70 if i just want to look cool i'm this was my pick i'm gonna go with a janus i i I thought about a lot of other models but this is really cool and the fact that it's made in indiana kind of gives it a little extra talking point when you're standing around at the uh coffee meat so it's made in indiana not india that's right yeah right here in america it's kind of the same thing but (laughs) (laughs) something tells me that both the uh, people of indiana and the people of india would have uh qualms about that one way or the other so Uh, i'll bet you if i went looking for butter chicken in indiana i'd get something completely different huh (laughs) yeah Amish country, yeah. I think they do their butter chicken a little different out there. But, but, but how about you on your uh, local cafe to cafe tour? What, uh, what are you riding? Uh, well, it's around town, so I don't have to have it go on the freeway. But I thought maybe that would be nice. But, um, but it's not gonna. And I'm gonna be so cool on it, you won't believe it. I'm gonna get myself a Honda CT125 trail. Whoa! Yeah, I did. Uh, I did not see that coming, certainly. So what inspired that pick? That's cool. It's retro. It's all the things the kids love, right? Well, I mean, it is. Yeah, I think it's a very cool motorcycle, and it's kind of the throwback to a little bit the Trail 90 days, right? Exactly. That's what it is. It's a Trail 125, and, you know, in Seattle, we got some pretty rickety alleyways here, (laughs) so it's good for that, too. When you want to get home, you can get all the way home. That's right. No trouble bumping that up onto the curb, into the sidewalk, and through the alleyways there. Nope. Now, are you going to go full knobbies like some of these customizations that we've been seeing come out, or are you going to take it just, just stock with the sort of basic knobby on there? Uh, yeah, they're going to do the stock. You know, okay. I'm only going to have it for a year, so why buy new tires? I'm not going to do true. any modifications on any of these. What I want to know is where's the first place you're going to ride this? Uh, in the alley. <laughs> to get out and then i'll take it to the wick and then i'll go to backfire and then i'll go over to sub and then i'll go over to uh ah heck i might even find some back roads and get up to adventure motorsports in monroe there you go yeah that sounds like a good trip on the old ct125 you know my friend uh jim has uh what's that little street 
one twenty five thing they have right now or one fifty. I don't know what it is. Anyways, he uh, he rode it all the way to Idaho. Are you talking about the Grom? No, no, not the Grom. Okay. The one that's all wrapped in its own Tupperware, like the sixty style. Oh, geez, uh, the monkey. It's not the monkey. It's, now I'm thinking Suzuki Van Van. This yeah. is a fun game. Everybody, everybody else knows what I'm talking about, so we don't have to keep delivering it. But, but uh, yeah, he went up low, low pass on that thing. Well, as we uh, discussed last month, or was it the month before now? I can't remember, but 50 cc is all you need, right? Well, it's not 50. It's like 150. I know, but that's what I'm saying. If you can do it on a 50 cc, oh, like, yeah. uh, our friend Justin. Yeah, like the way up. the scooter guys did. It's yeah, right. long, uh, long way home, or slow ride home. Slow ride home. Um, yeah. We'll get to then the long you, way home. Right. <laughs> then you can do it on a 125. So, <laughs> Well, cool. And you know what else you might be able to do on this bike is um, you might be able to do a little fall camping on it too, right? I mean, that was kind of its MO back in the day. Uh, I think a lot of people did it back on those Trail 90s. I think they went fall camping. They probably went out and ran the cows with the Trail 90s in the day and then camped right. at night. Yeah. So so tell me, uh, you got some fall camping tips. Let's Let's hear it. Well, I'll tell you, you know, and we had, because of some of the conditions here throughout the Pacific Northwest, I had some trips that were canceled. So that has me thinking about pushing them off into this month, into October. And I figured, hey, why not? Let's kick around a few camping tips. And one of my first ones that I would throw out there, because this is one that I use at the DRs for our carbureted bike friends, is figure out which direction is going to give you most sunrise exposure and use that to start to heat up your bike before you actually get up and around because on some of these chilly mornings, man, even with full choke, you might sit there cranking. And if you don't have a lithium battery, you might only have a few cranks in there. So before you have to bump start it and break a sweat in your full gear on a chilly morning, um, take advantage of that sun. What do you think of that positioning? Oh, I think that's a good idea, and you know it. It all it it it, it always pays to carry that little handheld uh, battery that you can use to jumpstart your bike in case the battery on the bike failed. And right. those are lithium. Yeah, yeah the jumpstart packs, and then plus they can power some of your other electronics while you're in the tent, right? Yeah, you could charge your cell phone or. Your flashlight or... Oh, no, wait. Your flashlight's in your cell phone now, isn't it? Right. Yes, and in the jumpstart pack itself, too. Well, you could charge your can Oh, wait, no, your camera's in the cell phone, too. Huh. Yeah, it's all in there. That's all you really need is just a uh, an arrow-stitch suit in your cell phone, I think, nowadays, and you're pretty well set. Maybe a ground tarp to sleep on. Yeah, you could sleep in your arrow-stitch suit. You don't need <laughs> an air mattress or a... Or a sleeping bag. You just throw some newspaper into your arrow stitch. Yeah, or so if you can find some dry leaves, right? The old survival trick there. Yeah. <laughs> he said you don't know if a bear peed on those leaves last week. But no, you're going to find con- out. I'd be more concerned about humans in a campsite than I would a bear. <laughs> but uh, what about you? I've got a few more tips here. Do you have any uh, tips you want to jump in with? Uh, well... Um. Yeah, get a hotel. No, 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 no. <laughs> Not um, a bad tip, actually. Especially here in Washington, you know, the rate, the hotel rates, in a lot of tourist areas do start to drop now. So that can be kind of a prime time to take advantage of it. That's true. Yeah, no, but this time of year, um, you you know, you could have uh, a forty degrees at night somewhere, and then you could have an eighty degree day if you're out like on the east side of the of Washington or eastern Oregon. 
Yep. Or in Idaho, you could you could have really cold mornings and really hot days. So you kind of got to plan your gear that you carry that way. You're going to take your base layers with you. Uh, you're going to take a decent sleeping bag that if you needed to, you could open up the bottom of it and uh, get some of the heat out when you're in there. But if, if it was cold, you could zip up that bottom. So it, this is a really a mishmash right now if you go out. But, man, it's a great time to go tour. It is, you know, spectacular. And as we record here, we're looking at, uh, for much of Washington anyway, probably about a 10-day stretch of good weather that they're kind of predicting in much of the state. So I want to make sure you take advantage of that. But here, how about this? How's this for a tip? You know, a lot of times for refreshing and waterproofing, both camping gear and jackets, pants, and that kind of thing, a lot of times people wait to do that as an off-season practice but I kind of find that this is the best time to do it right now. It could be. And and remember, too, I was thinking about this the other day. If uh, if people are not going to go out camping this year, you got an air mat that's sitting rolled up now. If you don't take it out and blow it up and, and give it a little life, that thing to be sitting in the same crumpled up position for two years when you finally get out next year with it. So is that what you want to do, or you want to get it out now and at least camp in your living room one night or something? You yeah, know? or if you're back to the office, take it to work with you, camp there. And, you know, it rained so much last week all over that uh, when you do camp, the bottom side of your tent is going to get really wet because yes. that's the way it works. Well, and, you know, that's one of the things I have on here because usually during the summertime, I will travel without a tent footprint. But once you start to get into the fall season, that becomes a little bit more important, not just for, you know, evening campings and kind of creating an additional boundary layer between the the wet ground. But also, if you get holed up in the middle of the day in a downpour or something like that, you can just break out that ground tarp and run a rope through it and kind of pitch an old A-frame tent. You can tuck your gear under there. You can get your jet boil out and you can ride out some of these nasty fall storms and stay dry until things pass and you can move back on. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, listen, let's, uh, we'll have some more tips and tricks later on in the show. We're going to take a break right now, and when we come back, we're going to dive into the news bites. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by... Valentine Motorworks, Seattle's independent service shop specializing in BMW motorcycles and beyond. Call or visit them to discuss your next service or restoration project soon. Find them online at valentinemotorworks.com. Hey, I'm Don Hutchins. I'm the editor of the Washington State BMW Riders newsletter, The Shaft. I live in Kingston. My favorite ride is the Tahoya Peninsula on my K1600 with my sweetie on the back. This is James Holter from the American Motorcyclist Association, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show. October edition of the Sound Rider Show. And uh, for all of the smoke in the air, that caused uh, 
kind of a lot of motorcycle news right out the gate here in the Pacific Northwest. So, Tom, why don't we go ahead and dive right into that? Well, I want to I want to start off by kind of a, a tip of the hat to some of the communities that are basically gone now, and and uh, they're really actually kind of important little waypoints for motorcyclists. Uh, the first one that I have here is Detroit, Oregon, is pretty much toast. And sadly, the Corner Post restaurant, which has all the motorcycle kitsch all around it, on top of it, and inside, is gone. And Which uh, is a, uh, a huge bummer. And uh, a real, like you said, kind of some of these waypoints along the way, that's a real... That's a real kind of destination in the South uh, South Cascades, I it, guess, or, you know. It really is. I mean, we've used it on the Cafe to Cafe before. Um, obviously, there's lots of clubs and stuff that use it if they're going to do a loop around through the Cascades in Oregon. Um, you know, they had a fuel station there. They had uh, three restaurants that I could count. So that's all gone. I imagine, as we always see with these communities that – uh, they will build some of these things back, and we may see a new Corner Post restaurant. If we do, uh, I think they're on the lookout for some new kitsch. So if you want to make contact with the owners there, I'm sure you can probably find them on Facebook or whatever if you got some stuff you want to share with them, or you got some really fancy you want to try to sell them. But, but you know, if you just have some stuff you want to unload and get it placed somewhere where people will see it, uh, that's an opportunity for you to do that if they're going to yeah, come back. I think that's a I think that's a great suggestion, and I hope. Uh, what was it here in Washington last year? Probably about this time. Um, Boggins Oasis. Uh, that's right. We lost that, and then uh, I believe new owners came in. I don't. I guess I don't know what the latest status of that it is. It was rebuilt. It wasn't okay. last year. It was about three or four years ago. It was rebuilt. Oh, geez. Was it that long ago already? Yeah, I've actually been to it since they've rebuilt it. I was in there a year ago in May. God, how so. long have we been doing this show? <laughs> like centuries now yeah. in podcast years. Um, That's right. Another community that we lost is uh, Happy Camp down in Oregon, which is on uh, State Route 96. And uh, also the the little town it pops out onto on the the other main highway. Uh, oh, what's it called? Gasty, G A U S T Y, I believe it is. Um, those that places have all been right. pretty crisped up. Um, Happy Camp. It was a really great stop for us during the road trip tour back in around 2016 when we were rolling up the Oregon coast and getting up to Grants Pass, actually ending the road trip that year at the Oregon Caves. And uh, this is the last stop for fuel. Uh, and then you went up over a, a small paved road at, that crossed over into Oregon but uh, sadly, right now, that community is pretty much devastated. Yeah, which is uh, just, man, I, it was such a rough month, you know, and we had, it, uh, we had some tough conditions here up in Washington, but Oregon was just, just really ravaged. And you hope that these cities can rebuild or these towns can rebuild and these, these businesses can rebuild because – you know, selfishly, I suppose, but for motorcyclists, like you said, some real destinations out here and really kind of waypoints in the backcountry, particularly. Yeah. Uh, down in uh, Phoenix, Oregon, which is near Grants Pass, Oregon, uh, 
Oregon Motorcycle Adventures was right in the path of a fire, and an individual, not a not a uh, employee, but an individual who who knows about the business, uh, who had all of his belongings burned up in another fire. Uh, went over there and pulled all the bikes out and saved all the motorcycles from the fire. Uh, unfortunately, the building went down, but, uh, you know, again, thanks for insurance, and hopefully we'll see these guys recover and rebuild again. Yeah, and I uh, some of the news reports that I had seen, it sounds like this gentleman who was also from Phoenix, Oregon, that he actually rode over there on his motorcycle to do this. It might have been the only vehicle he had left because he lost True. his house and all his belongings. True, but a uh, certainly a, a heroic act, a, yeah. a brazen act of courage there. So I'm glad that he made it out all right, and considering the, the results, tip of the hat to him, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it wasn't like going in and saving somebody, but, but you know, hey, he's got a passion for motorcycles, and he went and saved the motorcycles. That's right, so. and that's going to be someone's uh, enjoyment down the line, certainly. Exactly. Uh, hey, we got some good news. Um, in the state of Oregon, US 26 starts in Seaside, just south of Seaside, Oregon, and it rolls all the way out to Ontario, Oregon, and then cruises into Idaho. Well, the entire section of US 26 in Oregon State has now been designated as the POWMIA Highway. And I think what that's going to do is you're going to see a number of events, rides, uh, whatever. It might be tours, might be, might be, you know, it's going to change every year, but that road's going to get used by a lot of riders uh, when we have, you know, those special holidays and that sort of thing. Yeah, and why not? Right past Mount Hood into Warm Springs, like, there's a lot to see coming from the Oregon coast. I mean, that should be on everyone's kind of Pacific Northwest bucket list to ride that from end to end at least once, right? Yeah, then you go over to uh, uh, you go over to the east, and you got the John Day fossil beds, the, the Painted Hills area, and the Painted Gorge is really a stunning, stunning uh, sight to see. And then you go into John Day, and, and uh, you got all these great roads and stuff out in that area and out to the east of there. So it's, it's, a, it's a pretty good ride. Um, obviously you're probably going to want to make a loop out of it and maybe that is going to be an article in Soundwriter. Yeah, I think that would be a great idea. And right now too, is kind of, as we're recording anyway, probably prime season if you wanted to do that so you can escape some of the heat out in Eastern Oregon, um, on your way to the, it's Ontario, right? Isn't that where the yeah. Orida company, the potato company that makes uh, frozen French fries and that kind of stuff. I think they're out there. I don't know. Well, but you might tip be and right. trick. Or Ida, is Oregon, it, yeah, is and it, Idaho. Is it or Ida? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but certainly that's a, that's a cool thing to see, and I think you're right. You're going to see a couple of charity or benefit rides, maybe from like the combat veterans or something like that, pop up over the years. Yep. That's my guess. So, uh, hey, you know, I always like it when kids get dirt bikes, but this kid – Saved up all his own money at 10 years old to buy himself a Yamaha dirt bike. Uh, his name is Shay. We have a link to 
to uh, the post that his mom put up. But, you know, when I was 10 years old, I remember having a paper route and saving my money to buy a turntable. This kid really went all out and saved his money to get a, a motorcycle. Awesome. Yeah, I saw this. This was up uh, at our friends at Skagit Power Sports, right? Wasn't right. that the uh, the lucky business uh, or shop that got his business? And it's always good to see this. You know, we've we've reported a lot in the last couple of months about the surge in dirt bikes and people buying motorcycles for their kids and that kind of thing. But it's nice to see a story of a kid rolling up his sleeves, working all summer, and finally taking that home. And we hope he progresses up the chain and joins you in his at least at some point, his Tenere 700 test ride. (laughs) And I hope he influences a lot of other kids to do the same thing. Yeah, a great story. I was really fun to see on the Soundrider Facebook page. So speaking of great stories that you can't watch right now, unless you have Apple TV, the Long Way Up documentary has been released. And that's uh, Ewan McGregor and Charlie Borman riding Harley Davidson... What's that model called? That's the live wire, the electric motorcycle. The live motorcycle. wire, all the way from uh, Argentina up to North America. So uh, it's on Apple TV right now. We all hope it will go beyond that since a lot of us don't have Apple TV. And then uh, I did bump into last night on YouTube, there's a 60-minute interview with Charlie about the making of the movie. So you don't really get clips of the movie, just a whole lot of him talking to a guy in a coffee shop somewhere. Oh, interesting. Uh, well, I'll have to look for that. And I, I too went to see if I could find a place to watch this other than Apple TV, but it looks like it's exclusive. And, you know, I don't know. I think Apple TV is only like 8 bucks a month or something, but I just don't want another account. No, I don't need another subscription to anything. Yeah. So, all but right. I do um, want to see it. Yeah, I want to see it. Well, you know, I got friends with Apple TV. I'm going to be knocking on their door. I'm going to tell them that, you know, they can go out of the house for a while and I'll go in and watch and then we'll do our social distancing. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Uh, What else is happening? Valentino Rossi. You ever heard of him? I have heard of him once or twice. Yes, I have. 41 years old now, re-signed to race with MotoGP again in the coming year. 2021 so he'll be in the series i know that typically motorcycle racing like a lot of athletic endeavors favors the young but i gotta plead a little bit of ignorance here i don't know what is traditionally considered to be sort of the top end you know like in the nba usually 35 you sort of start to top out you know greats like lebron james can extend that a little bit um You know, football, it depends on if you're sort of a skill position player, maybe 29 or 30, but I don't know what the top end is like for racing. I don't actually have the answer to that myself. I haven't stopped and looked up racers and see how long they actually race, but it does seem like, I mean, he's been racing for over 20 years now. Sure. Well, uh, you would imagine really his entire life, right? I'm sure he came up with it as a a kid, too, so I can't imagine... He hasn't been running at least amateur races since he was eight or nine years old. Might hold a Guinness Book of World Records for going around in circles more time than anybody else. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I hope he goes in opposite directions every once in a while just to even out his equilibrium. So this one kind of shocked me. Uh, speaking of MotoGP, uh, they want to come up with a in-helmet warning system. And so the first draft of that has been done. 
and they outfitted a bunch of riders during an actual race with this new equipment. And it was basically, uh, they won't say it, but it really was kind of a disaster because um, what happened was it forced them all to remove their earplugs. And instead, they had to insert headphones into their ears that didn't do any noise canceling. So it was unbearably loud for some of the riders in their helmets. And they couldn't take it and had to pull into the pits. And I just thought, you know what? Why don't you people like work more with this off track and get this right before you go in and put it in a competitive race as the first time around for these guys? Yeah, that's a great point. And it seems like that would be a given. I mean, guys are going 200 miles an hour. Yeah. Like, you can't even be, you can't even be a spectator at the track without earplugs. Oh, then you're going to have some guy get in your ear and go, there's a crash on turn four, you know, right when you're trying to get through turn two or whatever. Um, yeah, that it, is a uh, that seems like a big miss. Yeah, so I hope they figure out that they need to do some more testing off outside of of competition. And absolutely, they need to be using some sort of noise canceling headphone in there. Of which there isn't a whole lot of them out there. And the ones that are like I have the Bose set. They don't work on the motorcycle well because they'll crack up if you rev the motor. Or if they hear a loud burst of wind, they just sort of crack up in your ear and they crank the volume up higher for a moment, and it just kind of shocks the heck out of you. So yeah, it's you know it seems like though there would be some way to technology's small enough, right? Like you should be able to combine that. And- I, I think in the next five years we're going to see this all fixed, but for now that's where the technology's at. Well, now you're talking about Elon Musk's Neuralink. Is that what you're saying? Just throwing those straight brain implants for all the MotoGP racers? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, they got those ones you can buy where you, where you get it built into your head. Yeah. Why do you wear a motorcycle helmet when the, one of those ones that's implanted in your head? Because, you know, they stick out. Well, they're going to have to work on the technology on that end. They're going to have to slim them down a little bit, I guess. Yeah. Come on. I mean, Elon, you know, he'll get it taken care of. Speaking of taking care of everything, uh, Harley-Davidson has decided that India is just not for them. So they are moving everything out of India, not going to be marketing toward the the audience in India any longer. This does not come as much of a surprise, considering that sort of the most recent big press release from HD is that they were scaling back production, they were limiting some of the new models that they were planning to release, pretty much everything, I guess, except for the Pan American, which they're, which they're still saying that is more or less on some sort of schedule to be released. But, I, I mean, at this point, Harley-Davidson doesn't really have a lot of choice, right? They have to kind of cater to their base market, which is here in the United States. I had to giggle at one line in the press release where the lady said uh, that uh, Harley-Davidson, that the, the Indian population just had not evolved into being a Harley-Davidson customer. All right. I thought, oh, boy, here you go. Yeah. Now, it doesn't, doesn't matter that, you know, if you want to get a Harley, it's $14,000. If you want to get the Indian hero or whatever they got going on, uh, that's $4,000. That wouldn't make much of a difference, right? Right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, obviously, is cost is going to be something. And, you know, I don't I don't fault any manufacturer for trying something new and uh, testing out a new market that has been successful for other brands in the past. But 
certainly tough when you think about relative incomes to relative cost for an actual Harley Davidson. It doesn't seem to sync up quite as well as one might hope. Exactly. Now, let's look at what Royal Enfield's doing. Uh, they seem to be selling a lot of motorcycles down in Argentina and South America. Uh, they currently have 71 dealerships throughout South America, so they are going into Argentina and putting in a plant, and they'll be building three of their popular models for that market there. Now, when I read through this article here, this struck me as a very smart move. I think that this is going to be a huge success for them. I mean, the price point here does line up, mm-hmm. and with the improvements in quality of the Royal Enfield brand over the last couple of years, why not? Why not bring it to South America? And not only that, this does wonders for globe riders on the Royal Enfield Himalayan, right? Because now you can get parts <laughs> all throughout there South you America. Go. You, in fact, don't even like go from the southern tip up to the northern tip of, of South America. You have to ride an entire loop all the way around the country because they've got the dealerships and you need something to talk about that's different from everybody else. That's it. I couldn't agree more. So I think well, the Himalayan is one of the three that it said they will be manufacturing down there. That and the two twins, which um, I was kind of interested to see that they went for the twins as far as assembly in the Argentinian and South American market versus the traditional single cylinder. That kind of caught me off guard a little bit, but I think that says something about the dynamic shift in motorcycle culture maybe coming from south of the border. Hmm. Hadn't thought about that. Well, that's what we do here. We pontificate that's in the new right. segment. Two heads are better than one. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what about um, Benelli? This is a uh, now a Chinese brand that is uh, distributed in North America – well, it will be distributed in North America by SSR Motorsports, and we've seen the little SSR mini bikes that all the some of the dealers are selling now. And uh, so Benelli has been producing over in China for several years under the name Benelli, which was bought from you know, I guess it was a British uh, company originally, but. Um, was it British or Italian? Yeah, yeah, that's what I was wondering. Is it British? Or, yeah, maybe it's Italian. Yeah, that's right. That sounds more Italian. I, I, I In fact, I'll take the Benelli Putinesca with the bow tie pasta, please. <laughs> that's it. You go back to segment one here. You're trading <laughs> in your uh, your city cruiser for a Benelli. <laughs> uh, I'd like a scoop of Benelli, please. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, so they 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 over China they came up with this like GS killer, and they've been producing that. And now they're coming up with basically an R1250 GT killer, or R1250 RT killer. And uh, the styling, you know, is very similar. Sport touring bike, all shrouded in plastic. And and uh, price point, uh, we don't know what it is yet, but, you know, it's going to be much lower than its German competitors, shall we say. So, though, this... From what I can find in all the Benelli stuff, these are comparatively, though, much lower CC. We're talking like 600 and under, right? Uh, yeah, actually, this one, uh, this one, they call it a thousand, but it's like 933 or something on the, okay. on the road bike. I got you. Yeah, I'll be interested to see some of the specs because I know I had kind of checked out some of their adventure touring models like that are kind of, they look like 
I guess baby GSs, but they're about 500 CC and they come in at about six grand. And it kind of makes you wonder, you know, is this the, will this catch on? Are people interested in something like that? Or are people more willing to shell out, you know, another $6,000 to get like a Tenere 700 for something that is twice as much, but twice as good of a motorcycle by all accounts. I don't know. Um, obviously not in the market yet. I, I'll be interested to see him touch down in the market here. Um, maybe one of the hurdles is they got a DOTM, which is might be uh, <laughs> might raise the price a little bit. That's true. I hadn't thought about that, but uh, they're they're fairly attractive motorcycles. I mean, they're not. Uh, I don't think they would be my first choice, but um, they seem like. They seem like they might be okay. No, the well, little got, SSR mini bikes are performing well, both in terms of sales and technically as well. Well, they, there you go. So a ring endorsement. Maybe we should have had in that opening segment a wild card category, so we could have each picked a a Benelli or I don't know what other weird brands are out there right now. But <laughs> there's a few. Hey, let's uh, let's take a little break, and then when we come back, let's do the calendar, and maybe we'll get in our interview if we have time. Otherwise, we'll do that after that. Be right back. Support for Soundwriter and the Soundwriter Show is made possible by Adventure Motorsports, Stomish County's largest selection of Yamaha and Suzuki motorcycles, ATVs, quads, and UTVs are available in Monroe at Adventure Motorsports. Celebrating a decade of top-rated sales, service, parts, and accessory support, hit the road and visit Adventure Motorsports today. Hey, I'm Gordon from West Seattle, and uh, one of my favorite recent rides was the Reuben Run down in Oregon. Hi, this is Mark from Valentine Motorworks, and you're listening to the Sound Rider Show. in our remote studios here on the sound rider show and things are quieting down a little bit. I mean, they've been quiet kind of all year, but I haven't heard a siren go by your house today yet. Well, there's one in the background right now. We'll see if the, <laughs> uh, if the microphone picks it up or not. Uh, but uh, things, you know, they were looking like they might kind of pick up a little bit with poker runs and that kind of stuff, but then smoke and cold weather is here. So, why don't we dive into what we've got on the list here anyway, Tom? All right. Well, they thought they were going to run the Northwest Nitro Nationals in October, but uh, and they moved the date to October, but I'm sorry to tell everybody it's been canceled. So you have to wait till 2021 for that one. Uh, as well, found out the other day that the Olympia Toy Run has been canceled. So uh, another another good event. Now, here's the thing about the Olympic toy run i left the post up on the calendar so that you can get to the web page and you can make donations on the website itself so even though you can't be there in person you can still help out the kids and that's the way to do it that's right yeah and i think uh we may have been just on my end there but we had just a little a little glitch on the internet connection so for some reason uh we need to reiterate that the post is still up about the olympia toy run the run has been canceled, but there are still an opportunity to donate. So click the link and go and see what they've got going on there. 
All right, so here's what is going on. On uh, October 2nd and 3rd, down in Lacey, Washington, you can go to Paulson's, and they'll be having a Kawasaki Demo Days. So you can demo ride the latest Kawasaki's when you're down there. Do you know anything about which models they're going to have? You know, I'm not 100% sure what they are going to have, but I have heard that it sounds like the Kawasaki Demo Truck might be making its rounds here in Washington for the next uh, at a couple of different spots over the next month or two. So oh. my gut instinct tells me probably street bikes though, right? Cause I would imagine like all of the KLXs and uh, dirt bikes and kids bikes and stuff. Those got to be pretty well cleared out. Don't they? Yeah. And I mean, there's no way you can, you can legally demo ride those cause they're not street legal. So yeah, we're well, talking, true. we're talking street bikes. We're probably, probably looking at some of the cruiser models, some of the sport bike models, uh, yeah, so I want to get on that 32,000 HP2. Yeah, <laughs> and hang on, man. Woo! I'm talking about a road burner. In fact, that bike is probably so fast, they should have just made a video game out of it and be done with it, because that way nobody get hurt. Well, apparently people are buying them, right? Because they continue to release these souped-up ninjas. I don't know... I think they probably do like a 500-unit run, and they sell them to collectors, and you never see them in the street. Okay, well, that's I guess you're probably right. I I can't think of... I've seen many a Ninjas, but I don't think I've ever seen one of the H2s. Yeah, those HP2 carbon things, they're they're crazy bikes. Uh, What else is happening? Oh, okay, so uh, here's a good way to social distance. Uh, Eastside Harley-Davidson on Saturday the 3rd is going to have a Seattle motorcycle scavenger hunt. You know some details on that? Yeah, I think actually you'll be able to start that at either Eastside or Emerald City Harley Davidson, and I believe they've got more details coming in on their on their Facebook page. I I think the idea is to kind of get people out, you know, socially distance, riding uh, sort of for a a similar reason, but apart. And I think it's going to be a good October route, not too long and uh, not too short, but just right to kind of maybe squeeze in one last quote-unquote group ride before the November gloom really hits. (laughs) I remember one year in October, um, it was uh, Eastside Motorsports, which doesn't exist anymore. Uh, They had a uh, fun run, and uh, all the locations were graveyards. (laughs) (laughs) In honor of Halloween, there you go. You had to take your picture in front of a particular person's headstone. That is... uh... That is hilarious, yeah. I, I'm surprised. Uh, well, I guess this year's a little bit tougher events in general, but you'd think you'd see that pop up more often. Yeah, it rained that day, too. <laughs> the zombie run. Uh, let's see. Over in Idaho, no, Tri-Cities, uh, Cascadia Supermotor will be running at the uh, event center there in Tri-Cities. Get the link for that on Soundwriter as well. Uh, even if you don't want to ride, you take the car out and at least get out and see some racing. Um, October 3rd and 4th, boy, we better put the show up early, huh? Yeah, no kidding. we got a lot in the front end here. MotoFit Group moved their September track day due to smoke. They moved it to uh, ORP in October. So the 3rd and the 4th is that revised date for that September track day. So that will be going on. And then we got some stuff coming up uh, in November 11, 
November 6th, we got Enduro Cross at the Ford Center in Napa, Idaho. And, folks, that's about all that's going on for the fourth quarter that we see right now. The real message is if you uh, are planning to squeeze some rides in in October, you better start planning to do so on your own because it's going to be kind of light, a light load in the second half of the month in particular. But uh, we got some great weather, and I just completed running the Road Trip Tour 2020 through the Cascades, through the North Cascades, and we had, uh, you know, we had to deal with smoke, but we got through it. Anyways, um, thought we'd talk about that because I'm going to release the book here online for sale, and I got some tips for people listening right now. And Derek, are yeah, you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm going to be. I'm going to be asking for those tips. So let's let's just do it. Let's cut to the break here and let's come back and let's talk road trip 2020. All right, that's what we'll do. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by Moon Motorcycles, a family-run operation located in North Bend, Washington. Moon Motorcycles features a diverse selection of used bikes to choose from. Whether you're shopping for a used cruiser, sport tour, dual sport, adventure, dirt. Sport bike or street standard, you owe it to yourself to visit Moon Motorcycles and look over their large inventory. Have you got a used bike you want to consign? Get in touch with Moon Motorcycles today. Hello, my name is Jack. I'm from Marysville. One of my favorite roads to ride on in the state of Washington is the Canyon Road that goes from Sela, Washington to Ellensburg. And the best time to ride it is generally after 6 o'clock on a uh, weekday because there's no state patrol. Thanks. Hello, this is Bob Owen from the Soundrider Crew. The Northwest is indeed a great place to ride a motorcycle, both on the pavement and off. But right now, you're listening to the Soundrider Show. Riders, welcome back to the Sound Rider Show. And, uh, you know, Tom, I'm thinking that uh, with some good weather here in October, it might be, might be a good idea to maybe pick, pick apart the road trip tour a little bit and talk about some sections to run and also talk about the experience you had actually going out and doing it for the first time last month in September. So why don't we, why don't we jump in and talk a little bit about uh, road trip in the Cascade Range? I'm with you. So tell me, you know, first of all, let's let's recap for people a little bit because I know our frequent listeners to the show will will be hip to the road trip tour. But every year it's kind of a different place and a little bit of a different theme. And this year you decided to run through the Cascade Range right here in our home state of Washington. So tell us a little bit more about the general concept and the theme of this year's road trip tour. So the, the name of the road trip tour this year was called the North Cascade Super 8. And it, it, I sort of arrived at the route basically as kind of a joke. Uh, I knew a couple who had ridden with us on a previous road trip tour, and they lived in Snohomish. And I thought, well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to run it out of Snohomish. We're going to do the Cascade Loop. But, hey, that's only 500 miles. You could do that in a day, maybe two days. We're going to turn this into a five-day trip. 
And we're going to have some really great kind of places to stop off at and check out along the way. We're going to lollygag. We're going to tour. And we're not going to have these horrendous three, 400-mile days. that We sometimes, we never have a 400, but we have 300-mile days. We're going to have like sure. 150, maybe 200-mile day. But that will give you time to do a coffee stop, to check out a museum, uh, check out you know maybe a dam or two, that kind of thing. And so that's how that route kind of came to be. And as I was putting the route together, I thought, well, you know what? Let's let's bring it back through Snohomish Midway, and then we'll get it over to Whidbey Isle, and then we'll bring it back and we'll end it in where else but Snohomish. And the reason I wanted to talk about this today is because I ended up coming up with some really cool day ride routes that you don't have to go to the east side of the state to do them. But uh, I'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, well, so when did you when did you start to dis- I mean, as you're putting the the whole plan together, did you start to kind of put in your mind like, hey, this might make a good a good day route after this was all over, or what what kind of things did you? That kind didn't of actually happen to me until we were on the ride and we were coming into Snohomish on Wednesday afternoon, and I was realizing that the ride in the afternoon going from uh, Darrington down to Snohomish is like a total cool network of roads that make a really great ride. So if you were going to go, say, say you were going to go to Darrington for lunch, you could leave out of Snohomish in the morning. You'd have several hours on pavement just looping in and out of all these little communities and checking out all these roads that you probably just ride right past when you're on the main highway. Yeah, lots of great pavement for here. And we you know we talk obviously a lot about dual sport touring and adventure touring here, but the road trip is pavement focused. It's all pavement. So you do it so on it your road bike, you do it on your road burner, you can do it on your cruiser, you can do it on your trail one twenty five. Can I do it on my zero FXS or the charging Absolutely. spots along the way? <laughs> yeah, well we'll find you a, a one twenty volt outlet. You can sit there for six hours while it charges again. So I'm gonna put a, a generator on your uh Honda 125, so we can charge it in the wild. I think I did um, see a big charging station up in uh, Darrington. Yeah. That, that wouldn't surprise me at this point. I would th- you know, I don't know, I guess, what the conversion is, if you can use... I've never looked into that. Can you use zeros on Tesla charging stations and vice versa? I'm not really... I don't know. Yeah, maybe you hook it up to a Tesla charger, it'll charge in like 30 minutes, and then explode. Well, we'll try to avoid the latter half, certainly, but the first part doesn't sound too bad. Um, But, you know, let's talk about conditions here because we're now, we're the end of September as we record, but when you were running this tour, it was, it must have been looking touch or go in the middle of September as far as smoke and fire closures. We had a, a small window for about a week or so where all recreational areas east of the Cascades were closed due to fires, but Mm -hmm. smoke. How were things looking while you guys were out there? So, you know, originally this tour was scheduled for the end of May. And because of the pandemic, we rolled it. And we rolled it to July, and then we had to roll it to October. (coughs) And, of course, or not October, but the end of September. And, of course, riding season is coming to a close. And those last few weeks of September, early October can tend to be a little bit wet. So I didn't want to move it a fourth time. So we stuck with the dates. I watched the fire conditions throughout the weekend before we started the tour. 
but sadly, everything was smoked up, and uh, Wenatchee was uh, 150 AQI on Ooh. Saturday before the tour. When we rolled into Wenatchee on Saturday night, it was a 484 AQI. Oh, man. So He also needed a pack of respirator mask for that. Yeah, they somebody told a, told me if you had an N95, you'd be doing good. I'm like, no, I don't have an N95, but. <laughs> and then you know, it was like the the uh, the dinner place we had planned to go decided they weren't gonna be open on that Monday night. So like, well, <laughs> we don't want to walk too far to go to dinner because we want to get there without suffocating. But uh, you know, we 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 made it all work out. Uh, another highlight of the tour was going to be the Omi Gardens, but that closed this year due to the pandemic and isn't going to open again until next year. So we had to come up with an alternate uh, way to lollygag that afternoon. And and actually, uh, our friend Tex out in Wenatchee tipped me off to the Pibus Open Market, and we went down there, and it was. Quite nice. All kinds of little shops in there and a uh, place if you want to get snacks or to make, your, make yourself a snacky little dinner up right there and take it back to your hotel or campsite. And a uh, cool little place. I want to go back to that and explore it more. Yeah, it sounds like a nice stop. But let's go back a little bit to the Omi Gardens because I'm not familiar with this. So tell me a little bit about that. Even though it wasn't open this year because of the pandemic, I'm, I'm always curious to know about future destinations. Yeah, so the Omi Gardens is a uh about I think it's about 40 acres. It's up above the river in Wenatchee on the north end of town. And it was a couple who owned the property and they worked it up into this beautiful garden. Kind of like uh Buchart Gardens or the Descanso Gardens. Uh but the but as you walk around through the gardens, you got the view out to the Columbia River and uh Really, really sensational. But uh, And we've used it once before on a road trip tour. And uh, the nice thing about it is you're not, you're not going to walk too far. So if you've got motorcycle boots on or whatever, it's not a big deal. Um, originally, I called the, the uh, Chamber of Commerce out there, and I said, hey, I'm looking for something for my people to do. And they said, oh, we got this uh, trail by the river, and it's like 10 miles long. I'm like, no, we're not yeah. going to do that. <laughs> Might be the uh, the wrong demographic in the, in the middle of a multi day tour there. So put the Omi Gardens on your bucket list, and if you you know anybody who's listening, if you do get the road trip tour twenty twenty book, uh, scroll it in the Omi Gardens into your Wenatchee visit, and uh, it's it's really a stunning place to go. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, the book in a second here, but uh, what about any any epiphanies along the way? I mean. You know, every time you plan it and you do some pre-ride planning and, you know, you go through the whole nine yards, that's one thing. But when you're actually out there, you usually discover something new. So well, how about this time around? Well, I think the big epiphany for me was rolling into Snohomish that afternoon on Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday afternoon and realizing, hey, wow, you know, there's there's four segments here that are in Snohomish County, Island County, and Skagit County that would make really great day rides, and that was my epiphany during the ride during the, the ride in that day. Well, you know, I think that's uh, that is something that we kind of 
I think sometimes being here in Seattle, we forget about that a little bit, but just kind of outside that Arlington area. And as you mentioned, Darrington and that kind of stuff, there's, there's actually quite a bit of dirt and pavement to explore all through there. Yeah. And I thought I was going to bump into a bunch of soccer moms at three o'clock in the afternoon. And that was not the case. I did not get stuck behind people. There wasn't like four people taking children home from a, a, an event or school or whatever. So I really enjoyed the fact that it it was low traffic when I went through and not high. But there again, you know, these are all like tertiary roads. They are not mainline roads at all. And when you said that you, uh, you know, you had this epiphany as you rolled into Snohomish, what were you rolling in on? Well, I was driving a truck. Okay, so you were running support vehicles. Yeah, for the, I had the uh, Honda the Element because uh, Connie couldn't make the first couple of days of the trip. So I went ahead and uh, I drove the truck, and then she arrived, and we uh, we did the la- did the last part of the tour in her car, which is a nice little sporty Honda Civic. Well, it's it's too bad that uh, you don't have that CT one twenty five because I could have lent you my hitch carrier for Connie's Honda Civic, and you could have just pulled that thing around with you. Yeah, because that thing corners like no tomorrow. That little CT one twenty five. Yeah, that's right. You'd be dragging your knee on the old 125 there. Mm-hmm. So. so let's, uh, what about the book now? So is the book, is it available where people want to get uh, the tour book from the Soundwriter store? Are we, are we good to go on that or do we still have a little bit of time? I uh, know we just got the book up online. And uh, when you get the book, what you get inside the book is you get um, a description of each leg of the route. So there's two legs every day. There's a morning and an afternoon leg. And then uh, you also get a list of recommended hotel, motel accommodations, as well as a list of restaurants that you'll want to wind up at along the way. Uh, and then when you get the book, you also get a thumb drive that has the GPX tracks. Now, whether you have a GPS or not, not really a big deal because you can look at all these tracks on your desktop computer you're just going to find an app that will read a gpx track and then you can do it that way if you want to handwrite all the turn by turn or whatever but uh, obviously it helps if you have a gpx app in your phone that you can read a gpx track with yeah and that's i mean i think that's the moral of the story now i know a lot of people anyway that are just going straight gps on their phone and skipping the individual unit i'm one of those people so yeah we had several people doing that on the trip this year so, so it, it makes sense as long as you don't dump the bike and lose your phone and your gps all on one <laughs> yeah that's right on a, on a paved route that's typically not going to happen i had a guy one year do it uh on a dual sport he did the sasquatch tour with an app with an iphone and uh never popped out of the um carrier but you know you don't want to have that happen yeah, you certainly don't want to lose it. So these day rides, though, just to, to kind of wrap up here, are those going to be part of the book, or can we look forward to that as articles, publishing, uh, editorial on soundwriter.com? Mm, you may, you may not. I'm not sure. I'd, I'd like to just leave it in the book right now and have people access it that way. Uh, it helps us out financially. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Keeps the, and uh, I can tell here. you, we can use any help you're going to give us, so... Emotional support uh, included, at least for me. So, um, <laughs> well, it sounds like a great trip, and uh, I'm really looking forward to cracking the book open and reviewing, you know, particularly these day rides as we get toward the end of 
official riding season here. And of course, you go to store.soundrider.com uh, and you can search for the book and you too can take it home and get out there and ride the Cascade Super 8. Yeah, just search for road trip or do the drop down menu for, uh, what is it, maps? Maps and books or something like that. Anyways. Yeah, and I'm sure we can probably look forward to a link on the homepage here coming up in October too, right? We'll do that, definitely. All right, let's, uh, let's take a little break because you and I promised a few more tips and tricks, so we'll take a break and come back and do that next. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by Clem's Enumclaw Power Sports, your South Sound destination for your favorite brands like Yamaha, Kawasaki, Suzuki, Can-Am, and Kimco. And Clem's goes beyond motorcycles to satisfy all your outdoor passions with a full line of UTVs, ATVs, snowmobiles, personal watercraft, and cargo trailers. Have you got a dirt bike you want to convert to a snow bike? Visit Clem's today and discover all the possibilities. Hi, this is Tracy Jeffries, and I'm one of the Dirty Girls. And one of the places that I love to go get dirty at is over in the Leavenworth Plain area. Good morning. This is Wayne Elston from South Sound Motorcycles, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show. Final segment here on the Sound Rider Show. And you know it. You came here for tips and tricks, and we got them. So, Tom, why don't you go ahead and kick us off here in this Halloween episode. What do you got going on in the old bag of tricks? Well, the, uh, this month's trip is uh, inspired by a recent event as well as a previous event that I witnessed. And uh, because it's October, um, you may want to really take this to heart. And the tip is, when it's time to turn around, turn around. And the inspiration of this is that, you know, what I've seen in the adventure market over the last decade is a lot of testosterone going around. A lot of guys, you know, some of them are really badass, and everybody else wants to be as badass as they are. And so you get a group of guys that get out on the road, they start going through a bunch of eh, not very favorable terrain. Maybe it's been wet. Maybe it's been raining, and they just keep on going. And you know what's going to happen. It's only going to get worse. So rather than somebody crash and everybody decide they're going to walk out, which recently occurred, um, or we had a guy one time, he uh, – he got going the wrong way, and he just kept going, and it got worse and worse, and he, he left the bike, and he walked out, but he walked out in the wrong direction. So, uh, you know, he wasn't really very prepared with his navigational skills, mm. but uh, don't don't let peer pressure keep you moving down a bad road. When it's time to turn around, just suck it in and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to do the smart thing. I'm going to turn around right now. And uh, you'll save yourself a lot of trouble later. Yes, couldn't agree more. One of my favorite motorcycling tips is consistently just to tell people, ride your ride. Because, man, I tell you, 
if you are in a a group of bad riders that can get awfully dangerous on the uh, in the corners and if you're in a group of good riders and you are the bad rider particularly in the back country that can get awfully dangerous for you you start thinking about you know you push yourself to go down maybe a hill that you're not uh, qualified to ride and sometimes then you got to start talking about if you want to turn around and go back you're gonna have to ride up it so you kind of double your uh or vice versa yeah, you double your pleasure, double your pain in yeah. that scenario there. So Yeah, I had an it. incident one time when I was doing a pre-ride down in Oregon, and the guy that was with me on an Africa Twin, um, we got at the bottom of the hill, and I looked at it, and I said, oh, my God, this is going to be just like when I was you know, 12 years old. And I grabbed right. a throttle, and I hurt the bike up that thing, and I thought, well, there's no way he's going to come up this, and he didn't. And, and yeah. when I turned the bike around and rode down the bottom of the hill, he's just standing there waiting. Because he knew I would come back. And so we, we uh, at that point, we, we came up with a new route. But, uh, you know, we turned around. We didn't keep pushing it. Well, and, you know, I think it's uh, <clears throat> obviously you should always only ride with people who are of a similar demeanor to you. But sometimes it's good, too, just to say, if you are the experienced rider in the group, to say, look, uh, I want you hurt even less than you want to be hurt because I don't want to be the guy who encouraged you to do something that was outside your skill range. And I don't want to be the guy that's got to ride out to get rescue crews to get someone back in here and grab you either. So if we come to a section and your spidey sense is tingling, you know what? Park it at the bottom of the hill. Wait, I will come back for you. And we can say, Hey, that's not for you. Fine. Let's turn around and find another way out. Yep. That's it. Be sensible. That's right. Absolutely. Always a good tip. So enough uh, of our preaching there. What's your tip? Yeah. <laughs> so here you go. I got a, uh, a small facepalm moment to share with uh, all of our listeners here on the Sound Rider Show. And the tip in a nutshell is don't leave your wheel lock on when you install new Bark Buster handguards. Now, the reason for that is so you think, okay. What's going on? Did he, did he roll it to test it out? Did he forget that it was on there? Oh, no. When I put on my wheel lock, I run the orange-coated cable up onto the handlebars. And then when I install the new BarkBuster handguards, they go around said cable. And then when I go to remove the wheel lock to take it for a test ride, the wheel lock is swinging from that cable between the handlebars and the handguard. Because so, you broke the disc at some point. No, I didn't break the disc. It's just the cable. So I had bolted everything on, and now the cable is still on the handlebar. Oh, so you had to take the you had to take the bark buster. So I had to <laughs> disassemble the bark busters on that side again just to get the cable off. And believe me, although I I don't know, you know, I, if I had chain cutters or something, I may have been able to get through it. But uh, I looked at it for a second and I was like, can I cut through this? Can I just go and buy a new, you know, a new cable or a new disc lock? Cause they're, you know, 20 bucks or whatever, but, uh, <laughs> not meant to be. So, uh, always make sure that you are disassembling everything. Put your bike in full ready to ride, uh, position, I guess, before you do any assembly or disassembly. Cause you want to make sure that all those little snafus don't happen to you. Yep. That's a good one. I had one similar to that. Well, let's hear it. Let's, we got a little bit of time here. Let's go. I put all my body work back on a sport bike one day, 
and I uh, had to use a uh, a little ratchet tool that kind of allows you to ratchet around corners. It's flexible. Sure. <coughs> so I put everything together, and it got all done. I rode the bike. It was all fine. I came back, and I looked on the ground, and there was some hardware that I forgot to reassemble. Actually, just some, some screws and stuff. And I couldn't get to that area anymore. So the only way I could get to it was to go back in and do the meticulous uh, removal of everything, kind of like you say. Yeah. So I just I just put everything in a in a plastic Ziploc bag, rolled it up, and stuffed it in under the seat. So I don't know whoever bought that bike probably trying to figure out what to do with that stuff in there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's always uh, you know like the Craigslist special. I always I always stay away from those when people go. This bike is meticulous. I have done all the maintenance of it. I go pass. <laughs> I don't want to inherit your goblins there when uh, I roll up and you give me a Ziploc bag full of bolts and you go, well, I, I, I don't know where these came from, but they're on the bike somewhere. They're supposed to be, you know? Yeah. And then you get a, when you buy my used bike, you don't only get all my goblins, you get all my gremlins too. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a fitting close to the October episode here. So why don't we, uh, why don't we wind it up and shut it down? What do you say? Why don't we, why don't we flap our way out of here now and go yeah. ride? <laughs> Sounds all like right, a plan sir. to me. Well, we will uh, we will do this again for the November show. Lord knows what we've got in store then. And until then, we want you to ride safe, ride well, ride often, and don't ride like my mother. We'll see you in November. The Sound Rider Show was made possible by today's sponsors and the patience of everyone else involved, which is not to say we're doctors. Reproduction of this program in part or in whole is not legal without the express written consent of the podcast owner. But please be sure to share the link with all your Facebook friends. This program is a production of Mixed Media. The content and views of today's guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any major media conglomerate anywhere else in the world, including CBS, NBC, ABC, MotoGP, the BBC, PBS, NPR, the Discovery Network, or the Cartoon Channel. See you next time on the Sound Rider Show.